All right, welcome to Dustview Pod, especially heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. We're on season five, episode 15, Families. Ew. I know. My predictions of this, I fucking hard nailed this shit. I did too. I Oh, really? I nailed it so hard um, that I got, got it pregnant, pregnant by your half brother. <laughs> <laughs> no. That I was like, oh my God, am I a fucking genius? I think I all capsed it so many times that I'm such a fucking genius. And then I was like, I'm going to calm down on that because it might just be super easy to call. I was like, this is, this is an insane guess, but it's what it is. And you're sitting over there going, yeah, that was really, really obvious. But anyway, yeah, I want us to hit all of our predictions because I put a bunch in here. Me too. Okay. So the opening scene, right off the bat, there's some crazy 80s chase music going on. Benson is chasing Amanda on the street, but she loses him. The fucking canine unit shows up and lets the dog fucking sniff his underwear or something. I don't know. <laughs> the dog's name is Sammy. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, this dog's been dead for so long. I know. I thought it too. <laughs> what a good dog. So the dog is like, oh, in the arms I'm of the angel. <laughs> The dog finds the perp. He's crouched down between two cars and he corners the guy. Benson catches up and says, you're under arrest for attempted rape till we can nail you for the other 11. And he's like, screw you, prove it. Stabler screeches up in a car and brings over a victim. She identifies the guy as the one that tried to rape her. Benson hands him off to some cops. And then another cop yells for Benson and Stabler to come over to the alleyway. They're like, you guys should come over here. Uh-oh. Sammy, the canine unit dog, finds a fucking body down an alleyway. A young woman who seems to have been dead for a while is laying face up. Ugh partially covered by a cardboard box. It was like the box was covered up until her, just her shoulders. Like she was just sticking out of it. It's so terrible. I thought that was so fucking funny because I, it was like... I was like, what? If the goal was to hide her, you know, it's the equivalent of like Leslie Nielsen and Naked Gun, like a bit of somebody hiding under a lampshade, put a lampshade right. on their head and stand in the corner like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Stabler sees that she has a wound on the back of her head, but there's no blood on the ground. So she was probably dumped. Benson finds the victim's wallet. Her name is Shannon Coyle. Oh, she's 16 from Brooklyn and went to school two blocks away, literally two blocks away. How many? Ah, uh, 99. I don't know. Doesn't look like a robbery because there's money and credit cards still in her wallet. It was lucky the dog found her. And then Stabler says, not too lucky for the parents. And then I thought this was going to be like a hard Stabler dad thing, but it... It wasn't too much. Not really, no. I mean, when they open it up like that, it's like, that's the expectation, but mm -hmm. not this time. A uh, theme song? Now we're in Coroner Warner's office. Shannon died from a massive cerebral hemorrhage caused by blunt force trauma. The time of death is between 10 and 11 p.m. the night before she was found. Coroner Warner found out that Shannon had sex before she died because there's traces of spermicide inside of her and there were no signs of genital trauma. Toots comes in. Shannon's dad is out of the country, but her mom and brother were notified of her death. They're fucking outside of the office. Shannon's mom wants to see her body. Corner Warner says she'll turn on the camera, but the mom wants to see her daughter in person. I would be the oh. same exact way. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to. I don't want to sit knowing my daughter's in the other, like, ugh. I would need yeah. that physical, like, connection. Yeah. Shannon's mom and brother come in. Corner Warner asks her if she's sure about this, but Shannon's mom says that it's her daughter. She has to see her. Mm -hmm. Corner 
Warner uncovers the body. Oh my God. And mom starts crying and kissing Shannon. And she's like, oh my God, you're so cold and kissing her forehead. Her brother stares at Shannon's body and then hugs his mom. Okay. So her brother was Lucius Varus in the 2000 Russell Crowe movie Gladiator. This dude also played Maddie in Double Jeopardy starring Ashley Judd. He also played Joseph, Bruce Willis's son in Unbreakable, and then comes mm. back in that movie franchise, in the movie Glass yeah. in 2019 mm-hmm. as the same dude. I just loved what this dude was doing in the late 90s and early aughts. Like every movie he did, I was into it. Yeah, he looked really familiar, but I could not picture yeah. who he was. Yeah, hmm. and he comes back to SVU in 2011. And his middle name is Treat. Okay, I'm done. Treat? Treat. Yeah. Like? Like, num, 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 num. Oh. What a treat. Mm. Seeing him was a treat. Mm. Also, because I was like, ooh, he had like a ton of creds under his belt by this point. What did he do? Oh, he yeah. He was on my radar at first. Yeah. yeah. Benson Stabler are at Shannon's house. Mom says Shannon always told her where she was going and who she was with. So she knew something was wrong when Shannon hadn't contacted her. Mom says that the dad, Barry, had been away on business for two and a half months working in the Congo with a French engineering firm. Shannon was a straight A student. She was never in trouble. Shannon's brother, Brian. Ryan says he didn't know of anyone giving his sister any fucking shit. He thinks that she would have told him if there had been. Mm-hmm. Stabler and Benson tell Mrs. Coyle about the signs of sex that were found, but Mrs. Coyle said Shannon hadn't told her that she was having sex and she totally would have. Like, no, she wouldn't. Mom. I definitely did not tell my mom when I started boning. Mm-hmm. Like, my my kids are the only proof to her that I've ever had sex in my life. <laughs> <laughs> the last time Mrs. Coyle heard from Shannon was at 2.30 p.m. the day before. She was going to be late because she had an extra choir rehearsal. Mrs. Coyle gives him a videotape of Shannon. Oh. So back at the precinct, the detectives are watching the tape of Shannon that her mom had taken after a choir concert. She's just being silly gals with one of her friends. Based on what they can see in her life and everything else, Huang thinks Shannon was confident, had high self-esteem, and was communicative and well-adjusted. The hard drive from her computer came back clean. Toots couldn't locate her cell phone when he searched through her things, and Munch thinks the perp could have taken it if their number was saved in the phone, meaning it was somebody she knew. Benny says that her mom and brother said she wasn't seeing anyone, meaning mom didn't know she was sexually active, because she clearly was. Craigan thinks that maybe Shannon's friends know who she was having sex with. Mm-hmm. So Craigan tells Munch and Toots that they're going to go talk to her friends and see if they can reconstruct Shannon's last day. And Benson and Stabler are going to go speak to Shannon's music teacher. At William Theodore Preparatory School, Benny and Stabes are chatting with Shannon's music teacher, Steve Abruzzo. This dude was in one of the worst, most ridiculous SVU episodes we've ever seen. He played Frank Martin in season one, episode nine stocks and bondage oh god i know (sighs) looking back i kind of love it though like that's so bizarre who was he in that i um i think he was Was he the the ashtray guy or whatever the one that like (laughs) i think he was the guy who ran the charity thing yeah that's the was that oh yeah that was the ashtray guy i'm the human ashtray Yeah. And then they like come into his office and they're like, oh my God, he's shot in the head. Oh, we got some more shit. Dead guy. Yeah. He quit acting in 2014 and has been producing some big shit ever since. He did a bunch of episodes of Nashville, Grand Hotel, A Million Little Things, like a a ton of stuff now. Mm. He says that Shannon was the best of the 
best. She never missed rehearsal. She had a beautiful voice and unlimited potential. Mm. He kept the kids till 5 p.m. at the extra rehearsal the night before. Abruzzo identifies the other girl in the video Mrs. Coyle gave to the detectives. Her name is Lisa Faber. Shannon and Lisa were joined at the hip. BFF high school gal pals. Mm -hmm. So now all of the detectives are interviewing students at the school in the cafeteria about Shannon's last day. Benny's with Lisa, who says that she and Shannon got a cup of coffee from a place near the school after rehearsal. They left the coffee shop around 6 p.m. Lisa said she just assumed Shannon was going home. Munch talks to a gal who saw her in the last two classes of the day. Toots chats with a dude who really made a meal of his few lines. He's like, we had lunch. Food here sucks. (laughs) We grabbed a couple of slices at Ray's up the street. I looked him up because I thought he was ridiculous, and he acted it in a 2002 TV movie called Porn and Chicken. Have I seen that? Well, this is the IMDb synopsis of that TV movie. Based on a true story, in 1996, five overworked Yale undergrads formed a club to watch porno films on weekends while ingesting mass quantities of fried chicken and Miller High Life. As the Porn and Chicken Club gained members and notoriety, the high-bound Yale establishment ordered that the club be closed down. Defiantly, the original members scraped together enough money to produce their own X-rated movie, and much to the dismay of the faculty and administration, the club became more popular and renowned than ever. In the film, all character names are changed and even Yale is not mentioned by name. Oh, it's based on a true story? Yeah. Oh my god. So we'll have to put that on our to-watch list. So they're all talking to these fucking kids, right? Uh, We just talked to this Num num num, porn and chicken guy. Stabler is talking to a kid named Aiden Connor. He was Sean in the 4400. I loved that show. Like, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, I know this guy. And that's what I knew him from. He's also a main dude in Chicago PD now as an adult. Like, he's been in like 400 episodes or something, like every episode of the show. He says that he and Lisa talked every day because they sit alphabetically. Her last name's Coyle, his last name's Connor, Mm -hmm. you know? He says he doesn't know if she was dating, but said Lisa probably would know. Back to Lisa and Benson. Lisa tells Benson that Shannon wasn't seeing anyone, even though she got asked out a lot. She like rolled her eyes. Here was my first prediction. Okay. I also have my first. Yes, go. (laughs) I said, okay, Lisa did it. She killed her out of jealousy. Mm -hmm. First, I said, God, every single person in this episode killed her (laughs) because I was like, oh, the brother, the mom, the dad's out of town, the friend, the fucking (laughs) porn and chicken guy. But at this moment, I think Lisa had a crush on Aiden. Mm -hmm. Shannon and Aiden were hooking up and Lisa killed her in a jealous rage but there's no way it's that simple the brother did something oh my god wow i he, he wasn't on my radar at all i got off this train um a few stops later but in my mind i was like got it yeah Lisa goes on and says that Shannon usually takes the subway home and Lisa walks. But Lisa says that night, Shannon took a cab. Hmm. Benson, Craig, and Stabler are doing a little walk and talk. Craig is wearing a cutie little fucking newsy hat. The one hanging in his little mole thing. That, <laughs> his mohole? Yeah. Stabler checked with the cab companies and none of them can find a fare for the location Shannon would have been going to and from. No one they interviewed saw Shannon after 6 p.m. and she didn't die until 10. That's a lot of missing hours. Toots catches them outside and updates them. All the male teachers have clean backgrounds except for Mm. choir dude Abruzzo. I'm like, oh God. Abruzzo suddenly 
finally quit a job he had at another school. Craig and his hat say, <laughs> go ask Mr. Music why. Benson and Stabler go to question Abruzzo in the music room. He's got choir practice going on, so he stops the kids and tells them to take a break. Stabler kind of weasels his way behind him and tells them that they know why he quit his last job. He's like, why, why would you bring that up? And they tell him they know he likes younger women. Much younger. Kids. Kids, yeah. High school gals. Yeah. Abruzzo gets all fucking nervous and shit. He says the complaint against him cost him tenure and a raise. He called it a total load of crap. He says the girl who complained said he invited her to his house for a private voice lesson. Benson stops to take a phone call quick and walks off. Abruzzo says that the student was constantly cutting class so he gave her a D and that she's a fucking liar. And he's real fidgety now and like touching his forehead. He tells Stabler that teaching is his life and he says he wouldn't do anything to hurt the kids. They all fucking say that. I know. Benson calls Stabler over. The lab called. They found something in Shannon's purse. Ooh, we got hot crime lab guy. Whew. They gotta head over to the crime lab and talk to Hottie Patati, potato crime lab fucking bomb squad guy. Mm-hmm. He found a key on a keychain with a little plastic heart on it. It was a super lock key that apparently cost $10 to replace. That's like $35,000 today. <laughs> he also found some condoms tucked in with the keychain. <laughs> so she be fucking, right? She be fucking. <laughs> that chick porks for sure. Yep, pork and beans. <laughs> New York City! <laughs> Roll, Roll that, that beautiful, beautiful bean, bean footage. footage. <laughs> no fucking way, Tasha. Yeah. I love you so much. I love you. <laughs> I love you. Okay, the fingerprints on the condoms were run through the system and they came back to fucking a bruzo. Stabes called Ugh. it. Benny and Stabler go to find this motherfucker. <laughs> and what do you know? They open his apartment door with the key. Easy peasy. When they open the door, there's a school backpack just like Shannon's and a school uniform from that school all over the floor. The shit's strewn everywhere. And they can hear sex sounds coming from a room in the apartment. It's like... Like, not great. (laughs) (laughs) Steve's is... (laughs) Honk, honk. (laughs) Bing, bang, bong. (laughs) (laughs) And Steve's looks at Benny and goes, what does that sound like to you? She goes, statutory rape, which she's correct. They walk into Abruzzo's bedroom like... We're not interrupting anything, are we? Yowza, whoops, guy. Oh, <laughs> the same exact condoms are on the bedside table. And who's in his bed? Buggin' Lisa, student BFF to Shannon. And I don't like Benny's response to Lisa because she looks at Lisa like, mm, I'm disappointed in you, honey. And it's like, mm. if we're talking statutory rape, we're not going to. She's a victim. She's a victim. She also, was... he's like, you can't be in here. And he's like, we heard funny noises. You're like, you just fucking like walked into an apartment <laughs> right you know this gave us probable cause i mean but like this fucking guy come the fuck on dude mm-hmm. he's being he literally just had a conversation with these cops who are heavily circling him being like hey you're a statutory rapist and you lost your job for that before and he's like no that was all a big mistake but like i'm not gonna take a bone in my student's break for anything yeah. it was like what two hours later oh my god Max? i was like well i already had these plans so <sighs> Back at the precinct, Abruzzo is in an interrogation room with Munch and Toots. He totally denies killing Shannon, and Toots gets in his face, and he's, like, really in his face, and he goes, you're screwing one student, you're screwing Shannon, two, and spittles on his face a little with the word two, and Munch goes, 
You working your way through the 11th grade, Steve? Ew. Abruzzo says that he never had sex with her, a.k.a. raped her. Can't consent. That's rape, folks. Munch and Toots do their little dance we love and speculate that maybe Shannon found out about Lisa and Abruzzo, so he killed her. Abruzzo thinks it's insane that they would suggest that. I mean, they're like, you lied about other serious shit, like shit that could get you put in prison. You're boning students. Yeah. Lisa's 16, BT dubs. Cut to Benny with Lisa. Lisa tells Benson that she and Abruzzo are in love and she's not going to press charges. <laughs> and Benny stays calm and she goes, okay, well, um, we'll do that as police and as grownups. Anyway, mm-hmm. it looks like Abruzzo is on the line for murder. Lisa says that she had spent the night at Abruzzo's apartment the night before because her parents were out of town. So that gross crime that he was committing with her is his alibi for the murder. Mm-hmm. But why did Shannon have condoms from his place? BB, Lisa gave Shannon the key to Abruzzo's apartment so that Shannon could see her boyfriend there, which explains where she got the condom. So between Shannon and her boyfriend, both of their parents told them that they couldn't date each other. So they were sneaking around. Lisa also admits that she, Shannon, and Shannon's boyfriend hung out at Abruzzo's apartment while Abruzzo was at a meeting. Shannon and her boyfriend went into the bedroom for a little while and then left together in a taxi. Lisa says the boyfriend's name is... (gasps) Aiden. Shit. hey So now Benson and Stabler are at Aiden's apartment. His mom, fucking Dr. Quinn medicine woman or kitty cat. <laughs> she's so she's so fucking awesome. I just, I've always loved this I know. lady. I gave a little rundown of her just in case anybody was unfamiliar. But like Gabe said, she played Dr. Quinn medicine woman throughout the 90s, which is how we would remember her. So when she showed up in Wedding Crashers as Rachel McAdams' horny mom in 2005, <laughs> a whole generation was like, whoa! Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. But really, I mean, I know those are two big things that we know her from. She's been steadily acting since 1969. Like this yeah. woman, Jane Seymour. And she's fucking gorgeous and like classy Mm. and fucking yes she's just a treasure she's a treat she is jane treat seymour Mm -hmm. Mm. (laughs) anyways she answers the door and is pissed they got past the doorman how did you get past norman (laughs) (laughs) they tell her it's about one of aiden's classmates who was murdered so the mom's like aiden come to the door it's that boy that munch and toots spoke to about shannon he looks scared when he sees the detectives yeah the little cutie from the 4400 yeah aiden connor in the precinct aiden and his folks walk into an interrogation room with stabler and he's pissed Aiden lied to him. Aiden's dad is upset and says his son is not a murderer. Because we're just hitting the 90s super hard. This guy is Joe Magnus from Party of Five. He was in one episode of The Sopranos, but who's counting? And an early 80s show called Freebie and the Bean. I feel like we've talked about that show before. Mm -mm. Freebie and the Bean. Mm -mm. I don't know. It's from like 80 and 81. Somebody let us know if we've hit it before. Because I saw it and thought... Why do I know that show? Mm. Sergeant Tim Freebie Walker. Who's the bean? It's just like that Wiener and Wiener show. So it's, yeah. like it's a literal bean. That's what I was thinking. It's, a literal, it's exactly where it's my a brain went. bean with stick legs and just like bubble shoes. <laughs> he like hangs out on his shoulder while he's detecting crimes. Oh my God. He wears cute little like cut off overalls. So they're like little shorts and his little stick legs pop out underneath. Oh. And a cute little baseball hat. He's nine. <laughs> nobody else knows that he's alive so they're always like why does that motherfucker have a kidney bean on his shoulder every day (laughs) just say how does it stay there okay aiden tells stabler that he had to lie because his folks didn't know he was seeing shannon and adam's mom is pissed 
She had told him to stay away from her. Aiden tells him that there was nothing wrong with Shannon, but his mom thought there was. His dad tells his mom to fucking chill out. He's calmer than she is about it, so he didn't seem to have a problem mm-hmm. with Shannon, but whatever. Aiden sits down and says he didn't kill Shannon. He loved her. Benson tells her that they know they had sex the night she was murdered. Mom gets pissed again and is like, what the hell did you fucking do? Dad's like, chill, lady. Chill, daddy. Daddy, chill. Chill, daddy. (laughs) Chill, mommy. Aiden says that after they left Mr. Abruzzo's apartment, they got into a cab. The driver dropped Aiden off first at like 8.30. He had the driver drop him down the street so his parents wouldn't see him, but his dad was getting out of a cab at the same time. Then he stayed home all night. Benson says they need DNA from Aiden and the dad says that they should call a lawyer. Then Cragen comes in and calls Benson and Staler out. Okay. On the other side of the glass in Cragen's pole dancing class, Cragen has on eight inch classic sensible clear pleasure heels and a bikini and says, hey guys, watch this and climbs the pole and does this inverted pike move into a Superman move to a ballerina and then gracefully into a bone arrow. Then he slides down into a handstand split where he then sexily slithers down to the ground to his back, lifts his legs and clacks them heels together after an air splits. Everyone's in He's getting good. He's getting good. He's getting good. Oh my God. Our favorite vegan pole dancer is going to be like, I I know exactly what that looks like. I have the moves in my head. Hopefully they're sexy and not awkward. I know. Well, we'll find out. Monica at vegan pole dancer on Instagram. Will you please recreate whatever Gabe just described Mm. and also do it in a bald cap <laughs> and uh, the outfit, but like, you know what I mean? No, he's in a bikini. Like as a, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like in like his suit. <laughs> oh my God. But wear the bikini with like, with like a tie and like little, little cuffs. Oh my God. I hope she does this. So yeah, he's, everyone's impressed. He's getting good. He's getting real good. It's such hard work. It is. But his core his is core incredible. Craig yeah. tells Benny and Stapes the cab driver was located and says Shannon got a call after Aiden was dropped off and she asked to be dropped off at the school. Taru is working on dumping her cell data. Coroner Warner walks in and tells him that Shannon was eight weeks pregnant with a girl. Holy shit. When Benson says they're trying to get DNA from Aiden, Coroner Warner tells him they don't fucking need to. 62% of the fetus's DNA matches Shannon's. Shannon and the baby's father were related. Coroner Warner says it's most likely that incest occurred between Shannon and her brother, her father, uncle, or cousin are also possible. Stabler says the pregnancy is motive to kill Shannon so she wouldn't talk. Benson says Aiden still could have killed her, but Cragen says they have nothing to hold Aiden on and they have to release him until they can find more evidence. Benson and Stabler are now at the Coyle house. Benson tells Mrs. Coyle about Shannon's pregnancy, which she can't believe, and then they tell her it's through incest. Mrs. Coyle is like, what the fuck? Shannon doesn't have any uncles or cousins and her dad's been out of town for longer than Shannon has been pregnant. Then the music gets all swelly and you can see on her face the realization and she said oh god she calls shannon's brother brian into the room he comes down the stairs and she fucking flips out and asks him if he got shannon pregnant she's like you fucking tell me what you did and then she attacks him and benny and stabler have to pull him off and he's like i didn't touch shannon and she's like shut up you shut up I've, <laughs> that's the only note i have for this scene <laughs> shut up you shut up just, yeah. <laughs> which reminds me of the, you shut up when you're talking, talking to me, <laughs> which is from Wedding Crashers. Exactly. Jane Seymour. Yeah. Benson is like, we need your permission to get a DNA sample from Brian. And she's like, whatever, do whatever you want with him. Whatever. I'm getting cheese fries. <laughs> and Benson and Stabler take him. So then I'm calling it again. Fucking dad was having an affair with Aiden's mom years ago. And Shannon got pregnant with Aiden not knowing it was her half brother. Is that why Aiden's mom really didn't want him hanging out with Shannon? So I had it kind of twisted a little bit, but I was close. You... But then I figured I'd call it out later. See, you hit that earlier than I did. Because mm-hmm. the brother was on my radar already. So I was like, ooh, what did this little fuck do? 
due. Mm-hmm. Back at the precinct, Brian is being questioned by Stabes. He says that he was home the night Shannon was killed. And he's like, my mom will tell you that. And Stabes is like, I'm sure she will. He also denies having sex with his sister. Stabler tries to normalize shit like, hey, guy, I get it. You see your sister getting out of the shower and Brian flips the fuck out. And he's like, that's fucking sick, bro. I never touched Shannon. Gross. Um, I am almost 40 years old and my brothers still act like I'm disgusting. (laughs) Like if we're swimming somewhere, they're just like, Jesus, put a shirt on. I'm like, I'm in a swimming suit, you fucking child. But yeah, like we're biologically to be repelled by our siblings, right? Uh, yeah, it's like a pheromones thing, but like it's kind of common apparently with like people that were adopted if they become or something like that and they become attracted to a person that they didn't know is their cousin but there is Mm -hmm. something about like the familiarity at the same time i don't know there was like some studies about it yeah i read stuff about that about people like not knowing and then finding out they're fucking married to their long-lost sibling or whatever yeah stabler then asks if it's possible that their dad was the one who raped shannon brian questions why he would come back and not tell them considering they have to wait for him to come home before they can even have shannon's funeral so he's like why would he bop here and then not come back for the funeral early. Mm-hmm. Cut to Benny at her desk hanging up a call. It's confirmed by Mr. Coyle's company that he's been working in Africa. Brian is with Stabler at the ME's office for a DNA test. This is my note here. I was like, okay, Brian is the only one it could be. And then I went, oh, OMG, is Aiden randomly her brother somehow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Novak tells them to let Brian go. He isn't the only suspect, but they need to find out who's lying. Craigan wants them to start with Aiden's parents and find out why they didn't want Aiden seeing Shannon. Mm -hmm. And then I said, it's because they know the family secret. There was an affair and they're related, but they're too waspy to be honest about it. Mm -hmm. I thought I thought I was I realized that way later, but mm, not too much. At the Connor residence, Aiden's heading out to go to his study group. So Mr. and Mrs. Connor are going to chat with Benny and Stabes while they go about their weird business of having a literal tailor in their living room doing dress alterations on Mrs. Connor. She looks stunning, by the way. Mm -hmm. Mr. Connor says Aiden was at home all night after being dropped off. So like, what's up? They ask about the whole restriction on Aiden seeing Shannon thing. And Mrs. Connor says that she didn't want Aiden to see Shannon because she and Shannon's mom used to be friends but after the connors kept asking about double dates and wanting to go out with the coils and kept getting blown off mrs connor was like oh i get it you think you're too good for us you're better than me it was this was just a very waspy exchange and she never saw Mm -hmm. susan with her husband and i all caps omg is jason connor living a double life he is both kids dad okay tasha i don't do really accurate predictions very often so i was just really on one about this i still hadn't gotten there yet i was still thinking Mm. it was aiden's mom that had an affair with barry to this point we haven't met the dad yet and i'm just like oh my god he's living a double life oh my god this is like he's still in a relationship with both families okay cool mrs connor leaves the room to try in another dress because they're getting ready for this benefit that they're hosting mr connor stays in the room with the detectives Mm -hmm. and lets them know that he doesn't share the same opinion of the coils as his wife. He likes Shannon's dad. He's a developer and Shannon's dad is an engineer, so they have a lot in common. Um, Yeah, they do have a lot in common. I said, they're the same guy. (laughs) 
<laughs> he says they played golf together a few times, but his snobby ass wife would be pissed if she knew that. He had also met Shannon, but didn't know that she and Aiden were dating. Stabler gets a call from the Taru lab about Shannon's cell. They leave for the lab to belly up to those honey glazed luds. <laughs> <laughs> At the Taru lab, Tarubin gives Munch and Toots the overview. Shannon did call her mom at 2.31 p.m. the day she was murdered, school till 5, coffee with Lisa till 6, go to gross teacher's place to hang till 8, Aiden gets dropped off by the cab at 8.30. The last call she received was at 8.34 p.m. And it was from a blocked number on a cell that is on Jason Connor's bill. Aiden's dad. Aiden could have been the last one to see her before she died. Nope, I'm a detective now. Move. It was their <laughs> shared father. Just then, Tarubin gets a call and hands a note over to Munch and Toots, telling them, ooh, you guys should probably take this. Munch and Toots are at the crime scene. Benson and Stabler arrive. Munch tells them that a sector car responded for a shots fired call. The victim was found in the driver's seat of a car, totally shot to shit. He was across from a new construction site. A .25 caliber Beretta jet fire with no fingerprints was found under the car. Holy shit. I have no idea what that means and I'm like, whoa. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a crazier gun and when they showed it, I was like, that little thing? That's what Dr. Quinn had on her hip when she would go on house calls or something. Yeah. Yeah. The tarp over the car is lifted to reveal Jason Connor. Oh my god. Aiden's dad. Mm -hmm. Everybody's dad. Everybody's dad. (laughs) The whole clip was emptied into him. And I said, what the fuck is going on? Jane Seymour found out the truth and killed the shit out of him. Mm -hmm. That was my prediction at this point. In the precinct, the squad goes over the case details. First, Shannon is killed. Now her boyfriend's dad. And here I go, oh my god, it was Aiden's mom. She doesn't want anyone to find out about Aiden sleeping with his half-sister. To the point she'd even kill her husband. I'm like off a little bit. In my mind, I was thinking that it was still her. Mm -hmm. And she was just hiding it you know yeah benson thinks aiden killed shannon they cannot get off this aiden thing benson thinks aiden killed shannon then his dad so aiden kills shannon because he thinks shannon cheated on him they use condoms and she was pregnant so she thinks that aiden was like how'd you get pregnant what the fuck you cheated on me aiden also knows that the last person that saw him was shannon was his dad when the cab dropped him off or whatever yeah so he killed his dad to shut him up like what the f- I don't know, man. That's what I wrote. I don't know, man. It's quite a reach. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, you guys. This doesn't sound right. I don't think so. Yeah. Calling the experts a couple of middle-aged white ladies 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> right. Craig doesn't think that Aiden is a sociopath, but Benson does because he's lied to them every single time they've talked to him. Benson wants to bring Aiden in, but Craig thinks that the mom will just lawyer up. And I'm like, so? <laughs> Yeah. What? Yes, I would hope so. Yeah. Toots gets a call from Ballistics about the gun. It was bought in Pennsylvania in 85 by Jason Connor, but it's registered to Susan Coyle. What? Okay. So I go, wait, wait, wait. I'm changing my story. Mm. Was Susan a surrogate for the Connors or Susan Coyle and Mr. Connor were having an affair and Shannon was a result. So Susan knew that Aiden's dad was the father, therefore only been the person who could have been the father of Shannon's baby. So she rage killed him or Brian somehow knew and killed Aiden's dad. I was a little all over the place. Never mind. I was like, I really nailed this. And then I look back. I'm like, no. I was all over the place. Benny and Stapes are outside of the coil house. No one is answering the door. All of a sudden, this fucking nosy ass neighbor is like, hi, you guys need help with anything? <laughs> 
This is her first of three SVU appearances. Mm. So she says that Susan and Brian left earlier that morning. She saw them put a bunch of suitcases in a car and said they were going to Pennsylvania to have Shannon's funeral. Betty and Staves do a little walk and talk and kind of think Susan and Jason maybe knew each other better than anyone thought. Mm -hmm. Why else would she have his gun? Were they having an affair? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. In Corner Warner's office, she confirms that Susan Coyle and Jason Connor did have an affair. Brian wasn't a match for the fetus's DNA, and it couldn't have been her dad based on the time frame. The only other option is that Shannon and the person that impregnated her had the same father. It was Jason Connor. Stabler steals my case-solving skills and goes, Jason Connor and Barry Coyle are the same person. Aiden's the father of the fetus, and it's also Shannon's brother. Time to get dolled up in my pretzel eating blues and accept that award. I'm a fucking genius. <laughs> pretzel eating blues. Thanks so much. Num, 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 num. Back at the precinct, <laughs> Mrs. Connor is brought in. She tells Craig and it all makes sense. Jason was out of town a lot and Susan, Mrs. Coyle, didn't want them to meet Barry because he didn't exist. And Craigan's like, are you sure Aiden didn't know? We gotta tell him. And Mrs. Connor, always the wasp, doesn't want Aiden to know he was related to Shannon or about his dad. And she's like, please, he's a good boy. And Craigan, like, can't do that? He goes, uh, we have to find out who unloaded a whole ass clip into your husband, not keep a family secret to shield your kid lady. Mm-hmm. Stabler's with Aiden in another room. Stabler dads up and tells Aiden the tough truth that he was related to Shannon and that Shannon was pregnant. Mm. This guy Aiden, is a fucking amazing actor. Oof, he did great here. Aiden gets real upset about having had sex with his sister mm-hmm. and he's super quiver-lipped and he's like, she's my sister? I, I had sex with my sister? And then yeah. he barfs. Uh-huh. Stabler is trying to console Aiden and he like goes up to him to like rub his back and Aiden's like blah and turns around and he's like gonna punch Stabler um, and tries to fight him at first but Stabler's dad powers are too strong and so Aiden crumbles into his beefy arms. <laughs> Such a dramatic scene. I love the like no throws a <laughs> shitty <Yeah>. punch. Like <laughs> Now I th- <laughs> yeah it was not great. Now I thought that there wasn't an other side of the glass thing yet so I just did one here because it was my scene to do we can just move right along with it because if i want to hear busy with pole dancing like it doesn't have to be no i want to hear it please okay i'd love when you do one on the other side of the glass in craigan's set of his office in a studio in new jersey for tax purposes (laughs) i fucking looked that up to see where they filmed svu because i always think about how it's just a set i'm like it's just a set it's not a real precinct that they all work in Kwong and Craigan observed the interaction between Staves and Aiden. Kwong doesn't think that Aiden knew anything or killed Shannon and Jason. He's like, you can't fake that reaction. You can't like just the, like barf. You can't just The kid barf. was just hard barfing and crying and he was a total mess. Benson comes in to tell them that Susan and Brian Coyle were stopped by state police outside of Montreal and prevented from going to Canada. Craigan gives the order to bring them in. I got to get ready because... Sergeant Pepper Tasha is getting a big award today, so you guys gotta go bring him Pepper. (laughs) I don't know. Benson shows up at the police station in Plattsburgh, New York. Susan is being held separate from Brian. Benson goes into Susan's holding room and tells her that she's under arrest for murder. She thinks they are accusing her of murdering Shannon, but it's Shannon's father, Jason. Susan is fucking devastated at the news of Jason's death. She's like, what? Jason? 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 (laughs) I loved him. 
In the precinct, Benson interviews Susan. Susan denies killing Jason. Benson calls her out for lying and for putting her fucking hands on Brian, saying it was a fucking performance. Susan admits to knowing that Brian hadn't had sex with Shannon. She was just trying to protect Jason. Like, this is your fucking daughter. Whatever. Which is so gross because it's like, I mean, I know. murder aside, it's so <laughs> gross because fucking Brian just gets attacked and you're acute, like for to be gaslit like that, your mom being like, you fucked your sister. And you're like, no, mom, believe me, I did not fuck my sister. And then she, you know what I mean? Like how yeah. fucked up. It's almost like it's fiction. <laughs> Benson's like, why would you try and protect Jason after he murdered your daughter? Susan said it was an accident. Oh my God. Susan knew what happened all along. Benson tells her to start fucking telling the truth. You stupid bitch. Jason called Shannon after he saw her and Aiden together in that cab and asked to meet at the school. <sighs> Jason told Shannon that Aiden was her brother and she fell apart, obviously. Yep. Shannon told him that she was pregnant. He tried to console her and said he was sorry, but she pushed him. She slipped and fell backwards and hit her head. He tried to revive her and it didn't work. So he left her there. Yeah. His daughter. And left his daughter in a half of a refrigerator box or whatever the fuck that was. Benson's like, what the fuck? Susan doesn't blame Jason for Shannon's death and genuinely thinks it was an accident. He told her about it the night it happened. And Benson's like, you fucking bought that shit? Jason told Susan he was finally going to leave his wife and he told her to take Brian and go to Canada, then go to Cuba and that he would meet them in Havana. Oh my fucking God. Benson's like, Susan, your daughter is dead. Oh, and then Susan says, nothing is going to bring Shannon back. Why would I kill him? I got this fucking lady. Now we're in the precinct. Stabler and Novak are doing a walk and talk. The real Barry Coyle lives near St. Louis. Jason stole his name and profession from info he got at the public library. My God. No evidence was found that Jason ever intended to go to Cuba with Susan and Brian, which could be the reason Susan killed him. I love how many steps he had to go through to get somebody's personal information. He got info at the library, at the public library. Now you just go on LinkedIn. Just like find a dude. Right. Mrs. Connor shows up. She brought in some information that could help the case. She gives him a file containing photos of her expensive jewelry that were in her safe deposit box that was stolen two days ago. I don't trust her. Mm-hmm. Surveillance photos show Susan entering the bank. She had ID in Mrs. Connor's name and forged her signature to get into the vault. Mrs. Connor had never been to the bank. Jason always took care of the finances. And then I was like, oh my God, Tasha. Oh my God. This reeks of Camille Grammer. What happened to her? It was caught on film. Who's that? Just... Okay, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Like, early seasons, Camille Grammer is married to Kelsey Grammer. Frazier. Cheers. Mm -hmm. He was, like, doing this play in New York. Their relationship was on the rocks, but she was like, oh, yeah, we're really working things out. She goes to his building to be like, I'm going to go up to his penthouse or whatever. And the doorman was like, I'm sorry, you can't go up there. And she goes, I'm Mrs. fucking Grammer. Are you kidding me? And he goes, no, you're not. I've met Mrs. Grammer. (gasps) Oh! And it was his mistress. And then they got a divorce. It was wild. Whoa. The jewelry in the box was worth over $2 million. Novak tells Stabler that Susan stole the diamonds, had the gun, etc. She has all the evidence she needs to indict Susan for murder. 
Murder. Let's go to trial. Ba-doop, ba-doop. Let's go to trial. Mrs. Connor takes the stand. First, Novak's questioning her. Mrs. Connor says that she was called by the bank because she had left a pair of sunglasses there the day before, which was impossible because she had never been to that bank. She and Jason had been married for 26 years, and she had no reason to believe that he was going to leave her. He literally asked her to make sure his tux was pressed for the benefit they were throwing. Why would he ask me to press his tux? Come on. And me on the side, OMG, she has more motive than anyone. More motive than anybody, this lady. Mm -hmm. The other lawyer gets up, Dave Seaver, Michael Boatman, attorney at law. Remember him? Mm -hmm. He's very confident. We've seen him before talking to Novak outside, and he continues to make regular appearances. He gets up and he's like, hey, Novak, I didn't recognize you without your bike helmet. Hey, Mrs. Connor, (laughs) you were married to this dude for decades and didn't know he had a second family? You must feel like a stupid, dumb bitch. Also, did you own a handgun? (laughs) I know. They're like... Objection, objection, objection. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mrs. Connor did not own a handgun, but her husband said he did. She says that she never saw it and didn't know where he kept it. She didn't like guns. Mm -hmm. Now Susan takes the stand. She admits to the affair with Jason. From the very beginning, when she got pregnant, he said that he would be there for her and Shannon no matter what. She refused to leave him because she loved him. Quote, and he loved Brian and Shannon. The camera cuts to Brian and we're all like, oh shit, that's his dad too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except for Gabe, apparently. Yeah, I didn't catch that till like 20 minutes ago for some reason. He also took care of shit financially. Jason gave Susan the key to the safe deposit box instead of giving her money to get to Havana. She said she was doing what he told her to do. And Novak fucking dunks a basketball. Objection. Hearsay. Sustained. Dude's done with his question. So Novak gets up. Did he give you the key or did you take it from him after you shot him? Objection. Pew. Withdrawn. I know. I love that. Because he did an objection and then he was like withdrawn earlier. And then she did. And she like looked over at him and was like withdrawn. (laughs) Yeah. They're just doing this like fun little courtroom game that I'm sure the judge Mm -hmm. hates. Mm -hmm. He's like cute. Can I have my lunch? Somebody give me a fucking pickle. (laughs) I have so many holes to dig. (laughs) Right. There's this old farmer. He's filling in my house as we speak. (laughs) (sighs) Novak gets Susan to admit that she didn't want Shannon and Aiden to see each other because she wanted to help Jason keep the affair secret. But like also because you didn't want your daughter fucking her brother, right? Like, right? Wh- that should be part of it. That should... What's the... Where was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're And they're also fucking siblings and I didn't want them fucking. It, it should be A, because they're siblings, B, then to keep the affair secret. Like, it, it should go in that order. Right, right. Your loyalty to this subpar man is just... Oh, it's actually par for the course, but okay. Mm-hmm. The gun is brought out as evidence. Susan admits to recognizing it and having the gun registered in her name. But she last saw the gun 15 years ago. She wanted Jason to get the gun out of the house because Shannon was a toddler and she didn't want it around. She never saw it after that. Mm. In the precinct, the squad's going over the trial when Aiden walks in. He wants to talk to Stabler alone. Aiden tells him that Susan was telling the truth about the gun that killed his dad. It was in the Connor's house. He's like, um, and I killed, I called, I killed my dad. I killed sure. my dad. Sure, Jan. Uh, yeah. Nobody and believed then it. Me, still on the case. I'm like, I don't believe you. Don't cover for that mother of yours. 
Mm-hmm. I would never get a job acting. That just now, <laughs> don't cover for that mother of your like no. <laughs> They'd be like, thank you, thank you. I'm like, do you want me to do another scene or do you want? You're like pulling on some <laughs> some fake suspenders. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> your tie spins. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Stabler takes Aiden into an interview room. As usual, they keep the lights completely off and open the blinds just a little bit, just a sliver. Mm -hmm. He tells Stabes that he knew his dad killed Shannon and that he took the gun, waited for his dad to leave work, got in his car, and shot him. And Stabes is like, just like that, huh? And Aiden's like, um, yeah, arrest me, please. Yeah, and I I, I go, hot take. I'm like, (laughs) now that I'm reading this, I'm not buying it. He's protecting his mom. (laughs) It's like, oh, really? (laughs) Huang and Craig and watch on the other side of the glass. Huang doesn't think Aiden's confession is real, but his guilt is. He also has just a Mm -hmm. stack of ones. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Craig thinks that the guilt is from him knowing about the incest, and he's like gathering it from that. Huang thinks he's admitting to killing his dad to punish himself for having sex with Shannon. Craig says... But what about his mother? Aiden going to prison for life would kill her. Is he trying to punish her too? Then Wong has like a little light bulb moment and goes, no, but I think I know what he is doing. Wong goes to talk to Aiden. Aiden tells Wong that they can't prove he didn't kill his dad. Wong talks about Shannon's death and how it made him feel. He asks him why Aiden said he was disgusted in court. Was it he was disgusted with himself? Aiden was in love with Shannon. He had so much fun with her and they could talk like grown-ups. He didn't know what he was going to do when he found out Shannon had died. And then when he found out about them being related, he felt like he ruined her which and was upset that he could never apologize to her. He says he wishes he had used his dad's gun on himself. Mrs. Connor watches Huang and Aiden talk on the other side of the glass. She asks Stabler and Cragen to get off that pole and pay attention. (laughs) She asks Stabler and Cragen to fucking stop their interview and tells them that Aiden is lying. They're like, yeah, no, duh. She tells them that she killed Jason. She got the call from the bank and saw the picture of Susan. She realized he was planning on leaving her for Susan. She found the plane ticket to Cuba and canceled the flight. Oh my God, he was going to. She knew where the gun was. She took it and went to his office to confront him. He told her everything about Shannon's death and that Shannon was his daughter. She knew that her son slept with his own sister and she got upset and started shooting and couldn't stop herself. She's bawling at this point and said that he destroyed Aiden's life. She doesn't want Aiden to go to prison for something that she did. Kragen starts reading her her rights. She doesn't care, though. She's like, oh, I don't care. All, all I want you to do is help Aiden. He's hurting so much. And she just begs them to help him. Yeah, he's like, you got to write to an attorney. And she's like, I don't want one. He's like, can I finish my fucking spiel, please? I have this is I do this every day. Anything You're- you say, like, <gasps> I'll say anything. It's just like, let me fucking finish. <laughs> Stabler goes back in to talk to Aiden. He asks to see his mom. Stabler tells him he can see her after she's done getting booked. Stabler asks him when he knew it was his mom who killed his dad. Aiden tells Stabler he figured out that it was his mom while they were in court. She lied when she said she never saw the gun. And then Aiden's like, I have no one left. Shannon's gone. My dad's gone. Mom's going to prison. Stabler tells him that he did not cause any of this. Stabler tells him that him, Shannon, and Brian were just born into this mess. And Stabler says, but you got to get through this, not only for your sake, but your brother's. And then I'm like, oh my God, I forgot that Brian is also his brother. Mm. Aiden is the only one he's got left and vice versa. You see Aiden kind of perk up a little bit. Like he has a reason to keep it together and hopefully grow and get help. He still has family with Brian. Brian and Stabler are sitting on a bench in the hall. Aiden walks up to meet them. 
Aiden asks Brian if he wants to talk, and Brian's like, sure. And the boys walk away together. End of episode. Toy freaking Yoda, dude. Toy Yoda. Toy Broda. Do you want to hear something that you're going to hate? Yeah, duh. I can't wait for this fucking... Oof. That shit's going to rip. Oof, oof. Okay, just like flogs filled with loose diamonds and charity murder plots, finding a chaser about siblings that don't know their siblings and sleeping together until one gets killed by their dad is kind of tough. Okay. Really? (laughs) Yeah. The actual Hmm. episode was based on a play from the 80s called Fool for Love that they turned into a movie. Critics were super into it, but it has 46% on the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. So I don't know. So what I did instead was I took as many elements from the episode to find a truly disturbing story. What was it called? Fools for Love? for love fool for love got it sarah barris was born in 1984 and was one of five kids who all shared their mother but had different fathers it was a troubled upbringing neglect sexual abuse in and out of child protective services and Mm -hmm. living in children's homes their mom drank and the conditions of the home were horrendous her brother brandon lived in a children's home from 14 to 16 and her sister donna sadly died at 19 um this is in Mm -hmm. england by the way When Sarah was 19, she gave birth to her first son, Blake. The boy's father wasn't in the picture, so Sarah was left to raise him on her own with the help of family. Sarah went on to have six kids in total. And if you would have asked those in the community, they would tell you Sarah was a devoted mother willing to give her kids the best care and support that she could, which was really tough with six kids. She had her family in a three-bedroom house, not much space for seven people, but she did her best. The older kids had speech and language delays um, and ADD, ADHD diagnoses. Needless to say, the family had some extra needs. Because of these needs of the family, social services was involved on a child-in-need plan. This means they've determined Mm -hmm. that there is no danger to the children, but they've been identified in needing extra support. Any notes that were on record said that Sarah was a good mom, trying to use the resources that she could to help her kids, all that. Her brother Brandon, who lived nearby, would often help out around the house. Then in November of 2018, there was an allegation against the oldest Blake of sexual assault toward another kid. There wasn't a lot of detail Mm. on what came of that, but it triggered an investigation by the already involved social services into the family. Over the next six months, Mm. social workers visited Sarah's home 13 times. Then in the spring of 2019, another accusation of sexual assault came in from a classmate, this time against the second oldest Tristan. In May of 2019, a social services strategy meeting was held to try and determine the best course of action moving forward. There was concern that these kids were possibly being abused themselves. Now, there... I don't know the details of these accusations against these mm-hmm. boys and I hate to have that like be the walk away uh, thought of these kids but these are just things that were of note and being brought to light and why social services was much more heavily involved at this time. Again like I had said there was no record of their father. Sarah had said he wasn't involved at all. So following a strategy meeting on May 22nd a social worker visited Sarah at her house. The social worker let Sarah know that the family status would be updated from from child in need to child in protection. Mm. Child in protection status is much more serious and is only used in cases of abuse, neglect, etc. Even though the social worker assured her that the goal wasn't to just take the children, Sarah was extremely concerned that 
they were angling to take her kids away. Mm -hmm. Remember that Sarah spent a lot of her childhood in and out of homes, in the system, just really traumatized by her own upbringing. Mm. Sarah had sent a message to a friend of hers that said, I've thought of every possible solution to this mess. I love my kids too much to kill them. I can't put them in care for the same reason. Mm -hmm. At this point, the six kids were aged 14, 13, 11, 10, 3, and the baby was seven months. Mm. Just two days after this this meeting that was held on May 24th, 2019, police responded to calls for concern of children living in a house on Greg House Road in Shire Green, Sheffield, South Yorkshire, England. Sarah had messaged a friend and said, quote, he's trying to kill us. Tristan and Blake are already dead. Then Sarah and the friend who received the message proceeded to call police. Police found Sarah locked in her bedroom with her three youngest children. Mm. The two oldest, Blake and Tristan, were incapacitated in their room. Also in the house was Sarah's brother, Brandon. (gasps) All six kids were taken to the hospital for care where 13-year-old Tristan died at 9.14 p.m. and 14-year-old Blake died 12 minutes later. The two oldest surviving children were interviewed as were 34-year-old Sarah and 37-year-old Brandon, who were being held in connection with the murders. When taken into custody and asked about their father, the two oldest surviving kids, 10 and 11, said that he had died fighting in World War II. That's what their mom had always told them. Obviously, the timeline is extremely off here. It didn't take much digging for authorities to discover that their father wasn't dead. (gasps) Their father was their uncle, Sarah's half-brother, Brandon Matchin. Oh, my God. The first time concern was raised about Sarah and Brandon having a sexual relationship (sighs) was when Sarah was 14. In 1998, when she was 14 and her brother Brandon was 18, Sarah's mom found love letters between the two and called the cops. When spoken to by police at that time, Sarah denied any sexual relationship with her brother. They then went on to have six, there were not mine planned children always keeping their relationship a secret even from the kids like the kids genuinely thought he was just their uncle he didn't live there he lived nearby he helped out a lot nobody knew the only people that knew were sarah and brandon holy shit while being arrested for the murders of her oldest boys sarah said she would quote rather see them dead than in care i gave them life and i can take it away Police gathered that the motive for murder was not only to prevent the kids from being taken into care of the system, but also to not be found out that all six were the product of a years-long incestuous relationship. When it all came out, the story of what actually led to this tragedy unfolded. On the evening of May 23rd, 2019, Sarah and her brother Brandon collected all of the pills from around the house, most of them being for ADHD. They split them into four piles and told the four oldest to take them. The kids initially refused because they knew it wasn't safe. Yeah. Eventually, they were forced to take the pills and then sent to bed. Sarah posted on Facebook about how the kids weren't feeling well, da-da-da-da-da. To her surprise, the kids all woke up in the morning. Later, they found... In her internet history from that day were searches for suffocation, strangulation, and drowning. Sarah then strangled 13-year-old Tristan with the belt of her robe. It's England, so all the articles I read called it a dressing gown cord. So I'm just assuming it was a robe Mm -hmm. belt thing. Yeah. It took three full minutes to subdue him. 14-year-old Blake discovered this happening and tried to stop his mom. Well, she had already called Brandon being like, hey, these kids woke up and he came over. So Brandon's there while Blake is trying to save his brother and he takes Blake around the neck and strangles the oldest boy with his bare hands. These are their children. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. After incapacitating them, the two adults put plastic bags over the boys' heads to ensure they were suffocated. Sarah and Brandon then ran a bath with the intention of drowning the third oldest. After failing to kill their 11-year-old who fought for his life, Sarah changed gears and decided to abort the plan. She went and locked herself in the bedroom with the rest of the kids, wrote a note in her phone saying, quote, Brandon is the dad to all the kids. The pills didn't work, so he's had me kill Tristan and he's killed Blake and the third child. None of the other kids, we can't get any of the other kids' names because they're obviously protected at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm sat here with the other three. He's going to kill them, then me. The two oldest of the remaining children, ages 10 and 11, were obviously terribly psychologically damaged. Not only had the 11-year-old survived an attempted murder by drowning, but they had witnessed the violent murders of their oldest brothers. Sarah and Brandon's brother Martin had this to say of his half-siblings when all of this shit came out. He said, quote, Those two have been evil since birth. They're both as bad as each other. They're both murdering evil psychopaths. They loved killing things and inflicting pain. Uh, trigger warning for animal people. Mm-mm. We had mice. I walked in and Brandon and Sarah were laughing, chasing the mice, stamping on them, killing them. I tried to push them away, but they were too strong. Martin had once called social services when the two oldest boys were toddlers and he had witnessed Brandon being too aggressive with Blake. He just didn't like how harsh he was with him. Enough to call social services. In September of 2019, Brandon and Sarah pled guilty to murder, conspiracy to murder, and five counts of attempted murder. They were sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 35 years. Tristan and Blake were buried together in the same coffin. Mm -hmm. The youngest four have never been identified for their protection. Social workers have spoken on behalf of the surviving oldest boys, and they were able to give impact statements regarding what they had experienced. Although they're receiving extensive counseling and assistance, they have a long way to go. The 11-year-old drowning survivor is afraid to take baths, and the 10-year-old is afraid that they'll grow up to be a killer just like their parents. Mm. Neither understand why this happened and are completely broken by the loss of their brothers. The house was torn down on February 17th, 2021, and a memorial garden was put up in its place. Hmm. Wow. What a wild story. I can't believe I never heard of that. Yeah, yeah super crazy. I mean, it was huge in England. Like this, there was a lot of, co- obviously, there was a lot of coverage hmm. about it there. But, ew. Oh, God. Okay. Next week, we have season five, episode 16, Home. A kid is eating garbage to survive, but they mm. find out he's not homeless. That's all I'm saying. I think oh, this is going to be like it. an abusive fucking parent thing. Well, rate and review us. Uh, um, <laughs> I hate this. I know. Email us at svupod at gmail.com. Send us stuff. We love it. P.O. Box 176, DeForest, Wisconsin, 53532. And check out our Instagram at svupod. You can get pod merch and more at svupod.com. Join the Facebook group, SVU Pod Elite Squad, and we have this little chat group called Walk and Talk. And hashtag a little bit loud to find all your favorite indie pods. Also, if you are a little indie pod, start hashtagging a little bit loud. So when we tell people to go there, they find you. Yeah. And join the Patreon. We have so much fucking content. It's a bananas. We have a lot of stuff. A lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. I think that's it. That's it. All right, dude. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Never run oh, into that's right. that that's right. issue. But why don't you tell me about it? So why don't you shut up about it? Okay. So Benson Staler do a little mini walk and talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck my butt. I fucking... Damn it. Sorry. <laughs> uh... <laughs>
Oh, fuck my butt. <laughs> but it's registered to. It's what? It's, it's what? It's, <laughs> but it's registered to Susan Coyle. What? Those are Z's. <laughs> <laughs> And to our Elite Squad patrons, Sonia W, Marissa M, Alki H, Annie G, Mary D, Andrew, Andrew, Rebecca D. Sorry, I was drinking water. Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex, Emily T, Kayla W, Mallory G, Bonita R, Marin, Vanessa, Amy P, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Kate H, Uyana, Kayla J, Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica S, Nicole M, Acacia V, Katarina G, Danielle W, Kelsey D, Jana M, Joshua H, Cami J, Byer, Crystal, Lucy M, Trisha S, Sam D, Mac Attack, Casey W, Abby W, Alexis J, Lauren T, Kaylin B, Camille Z, Nisha G, Maggie D, Kaylin, Kaylin. Oof, Tasha, stop. <laughs> KDM, Eliza W, Crystal B, Jessica P, Zan and J, Nada M, Sin, Christina D, Madison H, Emily, the old heave hole. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't play one. <laughs> I didn't think of one. Uh, Victoria B, Scout G, Melissa M, Desiree D, Drew B, Quentin S, Amberly C, Louise M, Sapphire. You always scoff. You're always like, I hate it. I hate watching your mouth do it. I hate all of it. I just hate it. <laughs> I love Sapphire, but like just I know what's coming. It just gives me little skin crawlies. Monica K, KDS, Trish S, Angela D, Brenna T, Andrea M, Natasha S, Andrea H, Miranda B, Al H, and Nikki R. We love you and appreciate you. Thank you so much. You guys are great supporting us. Thanks so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm.